Welcome to the 215 workshop on uh, step 12. My name is Tracy. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this workshop. Hi. Would you all please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of the workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer. This workshop will have speakers followed by an ask it basket, followed by ask it basket questions. During the workshop, please keep the basket moving. The topic for this session is Step 12, Passing It On, and the principle is service. We will begin with a selection from Overeaters Anonymous, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions from page 102. The joy we receive as we try to carry the message is a positive force in our lives today, sustaining us through good times and hard times, transforming us and our companions in recovery. We'll have three speakers for this workshop, each one speaking for approximately 15 minutes. And, um, at, and I just ask that when we start passing the Ask It basket, if you would please keep it moving throughout all the speakers. Let's welcome Diane, our first speaker. Hi, my name is Diane, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Diane. This is step 12, and uh, since I love to do things perfectly and I don't memorize well, I'm going to read it off my phone. I know the principle, but I don't have all the words. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. To get to step 12 is a long journey. And in order to have something to give, you have to walk that journey. And I've heard from other places and other times that you can't really have something until you give it away. And so I practice giving it away to the extent of, of my abilities to do that. It took me a long time to begin this program. My husband has been in program for 37 years, and that was his program. I am a very strong-willed woman, and I love to do things my way. So I became, you know, one of the queens 
of dieting. I am sure there are many kings and queens of dieting in these rooms. I, I'm not alone, but I've always called myself the, the, the queen of dieters. I'm also the queen of procrastination. I'm queen of many things. But what I have found is that I had to do this my way. And so for, well, longer than 37 years, I have been dieting. I have loved food my whole life. And I remember one of my earliest experiences with food was um, when I was little. Now, don't eat that or you'll ruin your dinner. And I remember the day that I could eat that and I didn't ruin my dinner. And thus began all of this eating freely. And um, not so much when I was younger, but as I began to enter you know, my teen years and I became more conscious of my body, it was never right. And I began this process of dieting. I want it because I'm a perfectionist also, one of my character defects. And I wanted the perfect body but I didn't have it. And for years and years, I began that practice of, oh, there, you know, that I, well, when I dieted, I would have success. I reached the goal. And slowly, I would slip right back up again because I thought, well, what did I reward myself with? What I loved, what I hadn't been able to have, and I ate again. And got myself, you know, back up. And mustering that courage to begin again was so hard, but somehow it came for a while. And I began the circle again and again. And I never realized, though I've heard, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I thought, yeah, that's true. And it never dawned on me how well I practiced that in my life. So here I am. I'm going to do it my way. Well, I finally got so sick and tired of this, I had to try another way. And I finally swallowed my pride. I, I don't like to, to say I do this, but from the time that my husband and I started our relationship and we got married, there, there's sometimes a bit of a contest about who's going to do whatever the best. And uh, so he was doing it his way, and then I had to do it my way, and I had to keep doing it my way and show him my way was better. <laughs> He didn't say very much to me in, in all wisdom about that. He just kept doing what he did. And he had tremendous success. And he stuck to that program all this time. I looked at that success, and my pride got so much in the way that I didn't, it took me a long time to say, I give up my way. 
I lost, he won. Well, so I choose, or I did choose at that time, to finally come to program and give it a try. So after all that time, I realized one thing that I had to do, it just, having been, see, I was around program a long time. It wasn't like he did his thing in a vacuum. It was in my life. I understood the 12 steps and all that, but I just wasn't willing to take that first step to action. So now I, I was willing, and that was just a couple of years ago. And I realized to be willing meant that I had to turn it over uh, to God as, as I know him. And that, and that is an answer that I have learned just in the, all the programs of recovery. There's a slogan, let go and let God. And I have found there's such wisdom in that slogan. And truthfully right now, for almost any problem in my life, any problem, if I let go and let God, I am led in the right direction. So I realized, uh, my husband aside and all of his wisdom aside, all the good practices that he had done, that I would, thank you, that I would um, be able to do it in my own way and in my own time, but not alone. I needed to give it all up to God. I said, I can't do this anymore. I've tried and tried my own way over and over again. So I will, I just said, God, guide and direct me in this. I can't do this by myself. And I was quite aware of that when I got started. So (laughs) it took a long time, but through all those years, I gained that great wisdom. And that that was the bottom line wisdom for me. So when I came in to program, I was just willing, absolutely willing, to do it any way that I was directed to do it. And I did have great success. And, and, I, and it's like, how can it be this easy? How can it be this easy? But when the willingness comes to turn it over and to let go and let God, that was the beginning of, of certainly my answer. And it's what I can share, how that I, that's what got me through all the 12 steps so that I could then arrive at, 12, at the 12th step and really have something to give away. And I don't take any credit for that myself. It's all the, all the tools of the program. It's, it's each step in its own turn. And it's just walking it through and uh, when I procrastinate in that, and I am a procrastinator, I almost have to tell myself, well, too bad. 
you've tried it your way, that doesn't work. So procrastination is sort of off the table. Well, it, it sometimes can drag me, uh, slow me down a little bit. But today, with God, I don't stop. And I keep going. And I am so, so very grateful every day to have this program and to have it work in my life. But when I started at the beginning of the 12 steps, I was um, very much wanting the physical results of program. And this is a program that is physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I have worked all three, and I don't see how anyone can get through without addressing all of these. But I came in for the physical. This is what I wanted to achieve the end. And perhaps even at that time, I didn't have the wisdom to know that this was a, a life program. I mean, I didn't even want to know that at the time. <laughs> Let's just get started, and we'll see where it takes me. But I realize that getting to step 12 certainly isn't the end. It's the beginning of the next step, <laughs> you know, which is going, going back and, uh, and working the program continually, all 12 steps, again and again. But I bring a new me each time I come, so it's not the same thing over and over again. It's my next experience of where God wants me to go and where he takes me that gets me through because I am easily bored. And if I had to do the same thing over and over again, it's like, well, why? It's not worth this. I'm not learning anything new except that this program is something new every day. And... I love the tools of the program, and I know that uh, they've been shared with me. I um, write them down daily in a in a in my little journal that I keep. And as I said, I literally read the twelfth step. Thank you, because. Uh, it, it's hard for me to retain things. I have to get myself a little trick. So there's a, a little first letter of each word, plasimtas, that I want to say that that has gotten, and that's um, a f plan of eating, literature, an action plan, writing, sponsorship, going to meetings, telephone or texting, being in communication, and service. And so we come to service. And I realize that, that that's the exclamation point at, at the end of what I want. It's that giving away which continues to bring the program back to me and make it even more alive than it was before. It, it just... It doesn't get boring. It's just it's just the next step in all of that. The course service is important. It's the lifeblood of program. It's how we give to each other. 
because I think we were all created to be givers as well as receivers. And so it's that giving. And I'm so grateful for the people that were there that did all the giving, that I had meetings to go to and I had support, I had sponsors, I had other people just working their steps and sharing. All of that service is so meaningful, no matter whether you've been in the program for 12 minutes or 12 years. It's the service and the lifeblood. It's the lifeblood of the program. And I am so, once again, I keep saying I'm so grateful, but I am. I never knew that this almost lifelong problem could be resolved like, like that. Now I still have to live my life and practice it. But once I let it go and said, I give up, and I, God, I'll do it, I'll do it your way, that's when it just became so easy. My way was so hard. I, you know, and, and I can share that with other people, but everyone has to get to their own conclusion. All I can do is be a part of them getting there. So I give service. And the final thing I just want to say is that it, 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 it's just been in me that anything I do that I get value from, I, nat I just naturally want to give back. So this was not a new concept of service, giving back. It's just something that's just in me to do, and it's just a, a natural thing. And so I serve, I give, as well as I get back. And I am a very grateful giver and also a grateful receiver. So I don't know if my time is all up, but I think I'm about <laughs> done for this. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, perfect. Isn't God good? <laughs> Thank you, Diane. If I could just ask to keep the Ask It Basket circulating, please. Anyone who has a question for any of our speakers or just in general, please write it down, add it to the basket. We'll answer as many as we can at the end. In case you come in late, this is a workshop on Step 12, the Principle of Service. Step 12 reads, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Our second speaker today is Amy. Hi, everybody. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Amy, and I am a compulsive Overeater, compulsive eater. Um, I really, I always say I'm grateful to be here, but like I really feel grateful. I really feel grateful today. So thank you for having me. Um, and my various offspring out there hiding in the escape stairs with my dog. Okay. Is this on tape? Anyway, um, so I'm really glad, and I, and I love this step. This is my favorite step. This is the cleanup step. It's like we pick up the, uh, the we bring home the, uh, the people on base. Um, I will think of that baseball metaphor. Um, 
But first, let me tell you a little bit of my stats or my specs or whatever I'm supposed to do. I, um, I came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1982. Um, it took me about seven years to find abstinence. I've been abstinent back-to-back since December 30th, 1989. Um, that's with the help of a sponsor, always. Um, and at my 90 days, um, because back, I, I got abstinent with a bunch of really hard-nosed ladies in, in New York City. Um, I was in New York after college, and they, um, th- it was like, no, you know, we don't mess. You know, here's how you do your food, and uh, when you get 90 days, you get a sponsee. So I got a sponsee in my 90 days. So I just want to say that, you know, service has been a part of my, in the sponsorship, uh, sponsorship as a part of service has been a part of my life since 1989. Um, an inalienable part of my program. Um, so, and my story, whoops, my story starts from the very beginning. I believe I am one of those people who has a physical allergy. I an, have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Um, and I, for whatever reason, I can, I'm sure that there's some physical, physiological reason, but I am highly sensitive to carbohydrates. So as a kid, I found them very early and discovered that they would anesthetize me. And if I ate enough, I wouldn't feel anything. And it was just all roomy and good and cozy. And basically, and, you know, usually 10 minutes later, I felt horrible about myself. But, you know, it really was a very consistent part of my life. You know, I always like to say, you know, people, you don't really know what you're going to get. But if it's wrapped and it's always the same off the shelf, you know what you're going to get. And... Um, so food saved me and I have no, you know, I'm so totally grateful. You know, I'm very, very grateful that I found something that could have been a lot worse. Um, it really could have been, but it was quite, it was quite awful. Um, I've been, uh, I am a hundred pounder. I, uh, by the time I was 13, I was 200 pounds. By the time I was 17, came to OA, I was 100, 235. So I'm about a hundred pounds less than that today. Um, and... You know, I uh, I just um, you know by the grace of God, I um, by doing what I do, um, and I do. I'm one of those people who weighs and measures their food and commits it, and you know that keeps me keeps me without having that big long conversation going on in my head all all the time, and a body that basically moves here and there between five and six pounds in a range. So I get to wear the same clothes since till they wear out, and. Um, it's it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I could tell you a whole lot more, but I basically was a... You can tell I didn't come here on the wings of victory. Um, so as was said prior to me, you know, we say it a lot. You can't give away what you, what you don't have. And the idea that I would have something to give, when you feel lower than a human being... I mean, I know many of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, only we know that we are not even people, right? I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but I, I felt like a, a, an, a an aberration. Um, the idea that I had something, to, that I had something that I could give somebody else was just a thought. You know, it, it was nothing in my body. I couldn't internalize that at all. So I was grateful for the for the for the for the service of other people in the program who said, "Just do it, just do it. Make coffee, make tea, put the chairs out, come to the meetings, be abstinent. You know, no matter what, 
don't, you know, just put the literature out, figure out what you can do, be the treasurer, come to meetings, just, just do it. Um, and I, you know, for a, a very high achiever, you know, I was all that down there, but I was also the top of my class and I was going to a good college and I was all this other stuff, but I was not, I, I, none of it reconciled, you know, it was like the double life. So, so to be told what to do, to be, to be not the one who knew what to do, um, or, or what, or that, or to even just take in the idea that I had something to give was a brand new concept that I wasn't steering my own ship. Um, so I guess I'm, what I'm kind of talking about is that service has given me the ability to give service. Um, that's kind of the point that I'm making here. And service is the, is the foundation of, of the principle as the, the, of the 12th step. I also thought that words um, I learned from an a old Jesuit, um, sorry, wrong guy, Franciscan priest, who um, old uh, AA guy I used to go on retreats with, um, who used to tell me, Amy, words have meaning. Words have meaning. And there's a word in the 12th step that I, I like, that I like to look at as I talk about the 12th step, which is having had a spiritual awakening as the result, not a result, nor not, but the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So spiritual awakening is what I'm talking about, is that transformation that happens when I, first and foremost, I put the plug in the jug because I am an addict. I am an addict. I am an addict. I can't. There are many, many things that I can't even dance with. I can't dance with chewing gum, folks. I can't dance with diet soda. I mean, I am a, I am an just, I will, I'm an incurable. And that's really good to know. In, in a way, you learn, I learned that I never, ever need to be neutral around food. You never, whoops, jeez, Amy. You never need to, I'm Jewish with the hands. You, you, you never need to be neutral, ever. You just do these things, follow these things, and you'll be able to be you, to the most of you that you can possibly be in abstinence forever, you know, until your, until your time is up. I don't have to be, um, I don't have to find, I don't have to pray my way into neutrality around food. I have a food plan. It works consistently now for 26 plus years. I have no, uh, I have no reason to be neutral. In fact, I am happy that I get reminded every day by the fact that I weigh and measure my food, that I am not the same as other people. I am, a, I am the same as you, but I am not as perhaps as anyone else who is just can be doing different things with food. Fine, that's great. Bless their hearts. But that's not the lot that I got. I got other, a, lot of really, a lot of other things, um, and that one is, has turned out to be a really good thing because the spiritual awakening is the... Um, I get to watch other people. Well, let's go back to me for a minute. You know, I have, I had no idea what was in store for me. You know, there's nobody, when you come in here and you're told, and we, we tell, you know, you're told or, or it's suggested, you put something between you and the food, whether that's you make a phone, you call people, you talk about it. I mean, we begin to take this very private, shameful thing out into the light. 
And it's, it's like becoming very, you know, I mean, the most vulnerable it can possibly be is, you know, it's a, it's a huge leap of faith. You know, it's, I have a tattoo that says courage. You know, it, there's no, nobody can, can, can assure you that you're going to be okay. But by doing it, it, I have I have found myself. I had no idea that I was who I am. <laughs> that's just all I can say. Because if you ask me, even I mean, I was a, I was a raging codependent. I mean, that's what's underneath co- compulsive eating. I mean, you ask me what do I want? I, I always do everything everybody else wants. Well, okay, I mean, what do you want? I don't know. I have no idea. Because I, I don't have a clue. I have no. I'm no, not connected to myself. The food was a was the block, block the the sunlight of the spirit. I had no idea who I was, who I what my spirit was. So, I have had a spiritual awakening. What is it? I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened. I wasn't the person who's standing here talking to you today, comfortable in my body, comfortable with whatever. I mean, uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, like all of it. So I, I have now people that I work with, and, you know, I want to, I guess, talk about what I thought was, I kind of was thinking, what's the real core of the 12th step for me? And I think in my working with others, because for me it's Bill and Bob just over and over again in my head, I see myself working with other people, is, is just humility on my part, is, is true and utter humility. If you want what I have... You know, you do what I do. You go where I go. Um, do you want me to tell you what I have? And I'm, I will tell you. Um, being able to... How do I want to... Know that I can't... I heard this once, and boy, I've, I've loved it. There's nothing I'm going to do to make someone recover, and there's nothing I'm going to do to stop them from recovering. There's just... I'm not that powerful. I can't... I won't... I won't make that... or I won't make or break them. And for me, it is true that abstinence is that first... Is that... It's, it's, it's that mandatory step. Because that we can't be talking if we're talking through the food. So the food has to be where it needs... The food needs to be... We need to be sober. I need to be sober with food in order to help. And my sponsees need to be sober in order to be able to receive. So... Um, and I've had lots of sponsees over the years, and I've had, and I have a sponsor. That's the other thing. Okay, real important. I have to have a sponsor to be able to sponsor, um, because I ask my sponsor to help me sponsor. You know, um, that's a perfect example of why of how come how I get what I need, how I have to have what I what I in order to give away. Um, I do service at meetings like speak or put up the chairs or stay later and talk to a newcomer. I have two kids. They're young. It's complicated. Um, it's quite complicated. Um, I do, you know, the tech. When I got when I got abstinent, folks, we didn't have cell phones. I was running around with quarters in my pockets, you know, calling people. Like, you know, it was. Thank you. Um, you know, so now I get to say, you know, <laughs> I'm going to kill my children. You know, like or. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, but it's not, you know, I'm going to stick my head in the refrigerator. Thank God. I'm also only one bite away from a binge, folks, and I know that today. I know that. Um, I have no, uh, I come, I go to meetings to listen to what happens to people who don't go to meetings. Um, so uh, I do those, I do those things. Um, I help organize regional things if I can. Um, 
I'm available when people find out that they have. See, I've also aged. For 26 years, my body has changed. My food needs have changed. My, I've gone through surgeries and all kinds of stuff. Well, I talk to people who are going through those surgeries. People say, well, call Amy. You know, she knows about that. She had the thing, you know, that I had. Um, so the, that's how I give services. I let myself be available. Um, and I'm a little bit of a hard ass. So, you know, basically, I'm not going to sit on, you know, I'm not, I, I haven't, <laughs> I used to have a sponsor, bless her heart, she passed away after 19 years of calling me every day. Um, she used to say, I want five minutes on the problem and the rest of the conversation on the solution. Um, you know, and uh, I, I like that too. Um, but I am, I am, I certainly have a, it certainly works. They do, my sponsees do well. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm, anyway, I just got self-conscious about you thinking that I was a jerk. Um, but I'm really not. I'm not. I promise. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to think what else I can say, you know, um, I know it seems, I want to say, we all hear this and it seems really small or not really important, but it is probably the most important thing is that we be here, is that I be here and that I be abstinent and I be a, a public demonstration that this program works. And the program is, we don't get, as was also talked about, you know, it, it's, a, it's a culmination of steps one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, three minutes, 10, 11. I can't do step, I can't be in step 12 unless I have practiced and do continually practice steps one through, through 11. And I do those every single day in some way, shape, or form. Um, and over the years, I have done them in various ways with various people. I'm a very, um, this is the other, I'm a very have to do with other people, otherwise it doesn't take kind of person. So if I have to do a 10th step with somebody, it works better. I can do higher power, that's good, but that's still too, I need more, I need a little more tangible work with other people. And as we all know, I know, I'm not a person who wants to get together with other people or be with other people. This is not a, you know, social, you know, you, you, bars are very social. You know, you go and you drink and you hang out and you chat. We don't sit, we sit, I sit in front of my TV in the dark with the window shades closed, you know, eating bags and bags. That's not the same. So the last thing, the most unnatural thing, is to do what we do do here, which is mill around and go to meetings and talk with one another. So, but it gets easier, and it gets better, and it gets more comfortable. And that's the way, that's like the, that to me is the, it's like the linchpin of how service gets done. Um, I think I'll just leave it at that. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys, and just thanks for being here, everyone. Thank you, Amy. Our final speaker for this workshop is Mimi. Wow, I can't see. Hi, I'm Mimi. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, I'm from Sacramento. I kind of want to get away from this thing. Um, except I don't want to fall, so somebody come close. So, yeah, I need a net sometimes. Um, 
I, I've been in OA for uh, 35 years. I've been abstinent from sugar for 35 years. I don't know what the new flavors of Ben and Jerry's taste like. Can you imagine? I mean, and ice cream is my thing. Um, it's amazing to me that this program has worked in that way for me, that I haven't had sugar for 35 years, one day at a time. However, um, I haven't been abstinent for 35 years. I started out in Silicon Valley, and I lived in Sunnyvale, so I went to San Jose meetings. And I was really hoping to see people from San Jose here. I keep looking for old people like me, and I read the, this thing. And I've only seen two people I used to know. What I have seen this morning Every speaker at every event I went to was from Sacramento. So um, I, I, I guess that's just how it's going to be today. My, I, I was really ensnared by this disease. I am really a compulsive overeater. Uh, I am really powerless over food. Overeating is a very lonely trek, I think. And the loneliness of eating and covering it up, the dishonesty of, you know, I never wanted anybody to see me eat. Uh, so when I would go out with people and eat, they would say, well, you don't eat anything. How do you gain weight? Oh, I don't know. It's what I eat when you're not around. But I didn't say that. The loneliness, the dishonesty, the captivity of this disease is indescribable unless you experienced it. So... I lost 100 pounds, and I managed, with God's help, to maintain that 100-pound weight loss for, get ready, 17 years in OA. And I was doing all kinds of stuff. I kind of wanted to be the poster child for OA, which we're told never to do. But did I mention my ego? I, you know, um, I also did not want to do step uh, nine. And I wasn't too crazy about seven and eight. So I heard, take what you like and leave the rest. So I just kind of passed those up and went, I did one through five. And then I fired my sponsor, and then a little bit later, I had two sponsored. Anyway, a little bit later, I did kind of do six and seven with a sponsor. But eight and nine, no, we didn't, we weren't going to do that. So I did 10 and 11 and 12, and that's how I was abstinent for 17 years. But I don't recommend that because after 17 years, 
lo and behold, can you imagine why my disease gradually took hold? And it's true, I moved to Geneva, Switzerland, and there weren't any meetings that time in Geneva. And it was before um, really online stuff. And we didn't have, we had a little bit of email by then, but we didn't have online meetings, we didn't have phone meetings. And I didn't have face-to-face meetings. So it's really true, we can't recover in isolation. It takes going to meetings, right? Also, I was happier than I'd ever been because I had the job of my dreams. So I've learned it's especially important to pay close attention to meetings when you're happier than you've ever been. (laughs) You know? So I kind of started to let things go. I figured, meh. I've been in program 17 years. Certainly, I've graduated. (laughs) And so I was in Switzerland for a year and a half. I started to gain a little weight. But you know how this disease is. I kept moving the goalpost, right? So as I started to gain weight, it's a big uh, red flag I've discovered when you have to wear, you have to buy a different set of panties. That's the first clue that maybe things are not going too well. Um, But I would say to myself, oh, that's okay, it's not a size blah, whatever. And then pretty soon I had to buy new skirts and blouses, dresses. And I would say, well, it's only a size 14, that's much less than it used to be. Uh, And I spent my time telling myself that and gained back 100 pounds. Then I was ensnared by this disease again. Isn't it like captivity? I mean, you just can't put it down. I mean, and I then I, I was moving back to the States. I ended up in Massachusetts. Nobody knew me in Massachusetts. So they didn't know I had this illustrious past in OA. And I would go to meetings. I stayed in meetings when I could get to meetings. I would go. And I would say every other week, I have seen the light. I'm going to be abstinent. Guess how long I did that? Ten years. I was in relapse for ten years. I kept going back to meetings. I kept declaring I was going to be abstinent. And the disease, I was totally ensnared by the disease. So after 10 years of pure hell, I I had something of a spiritual experience. I don't have time to tell you all about. Um, and I started going back to meetings. And I found recovery again. Thank you, God. And I can say to you now that I've lost 100 pounds again. And I've been in recovery for eight years now. So the program works no matter what. You can't use it up. The hope is always there. So that's my story. Let's look at 
step 12, and, well, I can't see my former the fellow speakers. Yeah. But ditto, ditto, ditto. Um, it, it, somebody took away my line. I was going to head for the uh, first part of step 12 that I'd been in program 20 years before I read having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And I was so shocked. I thought, oh, my God, that's really what the program is about. It's heading for a spiritual awakening. And who knew? I thought it was about losing weight. But it's heading for a spiritual awakening. And, and that was a shock. So let's look at the steps that come up before 12. One, it seems to me that 1 through 9 are the ways that we deal with ourselves internally. And that when we do all of those steps, we're getting prepared to look at ourselves every day in step 10 to keep conscious contact with our higher power in step 11, and in step 12, to go out into the world, right? But it takes doing steps one through nine before I can get there. So one through three, I can't, you can, so I'll let you. Uh, that's really hard for somebody who's a wonderful controller the way I am. Step four and five, I look at myself. Here, again, I'm still in myself. I have to clear up myself. I have to get to know myself before I can do step 12. So I'm looking at myself. I'm sharing it with God and another person. Then six and seven, looking at myself again. What are my character defects? Am I really willing to give them up? Am I? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And then I ask God to help me with them. Step eight. Oh, myself again. Have I harmed people? Hmm, probably. Step nine. Time for me to make amends to them. Again, this, this has to do with me, right? But then we get to step 10, and I get a chance to build these principles into my life on a daily basis, right? And I really didn't like step 10 either because, uh, well, let's face it, there were a lot of the steps I didn't like. You know, they were hard. But I didn't like step 10 because I did not know how to look at myself and balance what I found. Uh, I, I overly criticized myself, or I didn't look at myself at all. And thank God I had a good sponsor that taught me really how to do step 10, which is to look at myself in balance and not to always think I'm a horrible person. Thank you. And step 11, making conscious contact with my higher power. I do that every day. I spend half an hour, well, no, 
I don't, I can't honestly say I actually make contact with my higher power every day. I am open to that contact. My God doesn't come in burning bushes. My God comes in little candle flames. But you can get lots of candle flames that create something really beautiful. So I make sure I sit still for that. So now we get to step 12. So by step 12, I've had some kind of spiritual awakening. By step 12, I'm told I need to practice these principles in all my affairs. That means everything I've gleaned from steps 1 through 11, all the experiences I've had, all the ways I've looked at things that have put me on the right path. These are things I'm going to carry with me every day. This is going to give me a design for living. And in, AA, in the big book, we're told step 12 is the joy step. And I've got to say, I think too often in OA, I forget the joy. I get so intent and so serious that I forget it's about laughter, too. I'm also told a key point of this step is to be, quote, of maximum usefulness, unquote. Thank you. And that is not, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, my God. That's, how can I be of maximum usefulness? But when I prayed for that, I started doing service like you wouldn't believe. And in doing service, I found out who I am, or a lot more about who I am. I've done things in service I never thought I could do. And I highly recommend doing service that scares the heck out of you. If it doesn't scare you, it's not service. Do stuff that makes you stretch. I've done, I've led retreats, which I never thought I could lead. I've served at World Service. Um, I chaired a committee. I never thought I could do that. Well, I didn't do such a great job of that, but I did it. Uh, I've been challenged to do things I never thought I could do, and working with others is one of the key things. So why do we want to work with others? Life will take on new meaning to watch people to recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. So when we attempt to carry the message uh, we're told in the OA 12 by 12 that let me see if I can get there real quick those of us who live this program don't simply carry the message we are the message each day that we live well we are well and we embody the joy of recovery you know, what a neat thing to have as a way to live. 
So in closing, what I want to say is this disease that can ensnare me is put in the cage by the 12 steps, by the tools, by this program. And my captivity to this disease gets torn asunder. And it makes me want to say with almost the fervency of Martin Luther King, free at last, free at last, for today, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Mimi. Let's thank our speakers, Diane, Amy, and Mimi, one more time. Thank you for sharing your experience, your strength, and your hope. I'd like to ask the three of you to come join me on stage, and we're going to uh, look at a few questions from the Ask It basket. And none of these are directed to anyone in particular, so if uh, it's something you'd like to talk about, just uh, we'll have you step up and uh, share your ESH about the question. Yes, please. Okay, the first question, what inspires you to carry the message of OA to others? One of you like to address that? At the microphone. Yes, when I think, no, but I know I need to use the microphone. <laughs> when I think how my life is now, as it was before I came into program, I am living so much fuller. I can so be free to to be me, warts and all, and wonderfulness in all. It's all there for me. And I'm beginning to see the big picture in a way. I used to have blinders on, and there was a lot of judgment. And life was not always, you know, there. Were, it's like you're never going to get there. There's always something. And even now, I tend to fall into that, that pit, but I know that it's not true. There's always a way. And I, I never have to get stuck in those old ways. And I just want to share something. I don't know why, but today it's come up uh, to, for me to look back a little bit. Say, I, I look so much forward and how wonderful it is and what I'm doing, but also... Uh, where I was with food and what a sick, you know, I think I'm a, you know, not a sick person, except in this, this area of food. I mean, 
my goodness, I used to throw pepper and salt on my food so I wouldn't eat it anymore, um, which I think was a little bit crazy. But even crazier is I used to, I used to throw it away because I couldn't deal with it. So I'd throw it away, and then I'd go back in the garbage can and get it back out. Now that's a little bit crazy. Don't like to look at that. I think I should be better than that. But you know, and I just now I know that I have been given a reprieve from the craziness. Oh, and one other thing, the isolation. I certainly recognize in public I could eat what I felt was a proper amount, but boy, I was a great late night eater. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait till my husband went to bed so that I could have whatever it is that I felt I could only eat when no one was looking. And I still have to, you know, to fight that one. So anyway, I am just, so I keep saying, I am grateful that I can be freed up of all this so I can continue just to give and to share myself, all of me, because all of me has a story to tell, I know, that will give others hope. Thank you. Would either of you like to address that? What inspires you to carry the message of OA to others? Um, what inspires me? I don't want to lose my program. I'll go to any length. And if the 12 steps says I have to carry the message, I'm going to carry the message. And People carry the message to me. I have been sponsored by compassionate, beautiful, wonderful people, and I hope to sponsor that way. I don't want to die from this disease, and because I don't, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And I don't mean I'm a saint about that, because I'm definitely, there are times where I don't want to do anything. But it is why, in general, I want to carry the message. Thank you, Mimi. Our next question, what expectations do you have regarding the outcome of service to others? I'm still aiming at compulsive eater. Um, I, I think I, I mentioned it when I spoke in my fuller, uh, in my 15 minutes, but um, my expectation is really that I don't have any. And mostly, most of all, is, um, is that um, I guess it, I, do, I do believe that I have to be asked to help. If somebody wants my help, I, I want them to ask me. Um, and, and so the expectation is that they keep asking me, um, meaning let's say somebody says, will you be my sponsor? So I'll take them, let's say, but then they start not being interested or they lose their enthusiasm or they're struggling in a way that they're just not, I'm, for lack of the disease is winning, let's put it that way. Um, then that's an, that, at that point, 
you know, I know I can't have an expectation that now my job is to go chase them down or to reel them in or to do anything. I, that's not quite an expectation. Perhaps it's, it's that I don't have an expectation um, it, of the outcome. In fact, that's, that's in fact having an expectation, I guess, in a certain way. Um, that's all. Thank you, Amy. Another great question. How do you know when to limit? How do you know when to set limits on the service you give? Well, I'm still Diane. I know when to set limits. Well, first of all, I, I do try to sort of check in with higher power, and should I be doing this? I think it's a wise thing to, to make it <laughs> the team effort with higher power. But it's also, if I'm feeling dragged out, if there is no joy, if it's just too much, then I've, I've got to take a look. What is going on with me? Because if I'm truly working the program, it's, it's none of those things about being, you know, imposed upon, being tired, feeling no joy. So that's, you know, how I know if I'm, if I'm out of step and that, and then I, I team back up because I cannot do this without my uh, higher power and without other people in program that he's given me, you know, because I need people with skin on as well as that, just that spiritual component to make this complete for me. And when I'm, so when I'm teamed up and using all that is available to me, I can keep on track and I don't get dragged down. Thank you. Question. Since service work is the diamond lane in recovery, what part is service in OA played in your recovery? I'll take it. It's quick. If people ask me what has kept you abstinent as long as you have, I will answer service. I will answer that. Um, and as you know, the requisite, prerequisite for that is being abstinent. So that's for me. But service has been it. Um, uh, I am much better at, you know, the chapter doesn't say into thinking. It says into action. I would rather, I can do things. Doing gets me what the benefits. Um, thinking or talking about or whatever um, just doesn't. Um, even prayer and meditation um, is not has not been as as in, infinitely valuable to me as doing th different service work with healthy limits. Thank you. Question: What character defects show up in your service work? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that one was coming. Yeah. <laughs>
They waited so I could answer this one. Um, oh, God, I really hate that question. Um, wanting everything my way, uh, having putting personalities before principles, um, carrying resentments, um, shooting myself in the foot. I mean, I really get to know myself when I do service because I have to interact with other people. And when I said this is a disease of loneliness, I robbed myself of learning how to do social stuff. So I didn't learn how to work with other people. So service has given me this wonderful opportunity to learn how to work with other people. And it hasn't always been pretty. And it still isn't always pretty. Uh, you know, God's definitely not finished with me, <laughs> which is a sentence I content myself with frequently. So I think with service, my natural character defects can become uh, obvious, uh, much more obvious to me uh, by also being obvious to others who let me know, you know. Um, and that's just part of the program. I think with service, too, and since I've been at all levels of service, um, there is a real danger of considering oneself an expert on something uh, or on the program or, you know, that uh, that is really a danger. And um, it, when that happens to me, uh, God invariably sends me a healthfully humility experience. Uh, I was going to say humiliating, and I don't mean that. Um, but God lets me know, or somebody else lets me know. So that's it. Final question. At what point in your recovery did you begin sponsoring, and how did it benefit your recovery? I'll just do this real quick, and then other people can answer. Um, I suggest to my sponsees that they not begin re, um, sponsoring until they've finished the 12th step. And I know that's not the common way to do it. I know for a while when, uh, in the beginning when I would sponsor people, I would say go out after the third step because you really need to. But I think the benefits of the program don't become really clear until the ninth step. So I, I think it's best to do it after the twelfth step. And I, um, I didn't do it until after the twelfth step because I felt uh, that I had indeed experienced something 
that maybe I could pass along if somebody wanted it. So I don't recommend any particular way, but that's how I do it. So like I shared, the, the hard-nosed ladies in New York City told me to start after 90 days um, when I got abstinent. But prior to that, I'd had some experience with sponsoring as I was looking for my place in OA. Um, but um, So that's my experience. But as was said, I work with other people who, depending on the person, I'll, dis I'll help them kind of guide them in making the decision about when they might start sponsoring. So it's sometimes it's soon and sometimes it's later and sometimes it is after step work, um, you know, you know, a regular step, uh, uh, th go through them in order. Um, so it kind of depends. But that was my path, but that's not necessarily everybody else's path. Since I am the, the baby of the group and having had the, the, the shortest period of in-program and achieving abstinence and then, and then moving on to sponsoring, I don't have all that experience, but I have, uh, done, I have done some sponsoring. And nothing, nothing grows you more when you have the, you know, the responsibility of taking that step with another person. I think it's a responsibility and it's also a privilege. And I don't take that, you know, lightly when I work with people and uh, I used to think that, well, but I should be having many sponsees and I should be the sponsor. You know, that that's my head talking. Thank you, head. Now, uh, uh, let's get real. And so I I just give of myself at every point, whether you, it's what I consider the formal, you know, what sponsorship is, or I'm just walking beside someone and just being me and sharing myself. That's, I just do what I'm called to do in the moment. And that has, has worked best for me. Because if I try to run the show, I want to be the show. And that's not what sponsoring is about. Okay, it is now time to close the session. Yes. Oh. oh, an announcement for all of you. As of 5 p.m. tonight, we have a few more Saturday dinner and Sunday breakfast speaker event tickets available for sale. Dinner is $50 and breakfast is $30. Go to the registration table on the second floor to purchase your tickets. It is now time to close this session. I uh, would like you all to, I'd like to ask you all to join us in the front and join hands. And I'd like us to recite the third step prayer, which if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's printed in your brochure.
difficulties that they feel for them may bear witness to those that would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back it works. Thank you, Diane. Oh, it's so good to hear you. 